Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome to everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 228. I'm John Davis, of course. Joining me today, and a rare, we have a couple of folks that don't normally join us on our podcast, so we're very excited. Our MotorWeek master technician, Pat Goss. Hi, Pat. Hello, everybody. Our MotorWeek reporter from Florida, Lauren Morrison. Hey, hey. And, of course, our over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. Hey, I'm sorry to, you know, be the normal guy here, but it's, <laughs> it's cool having the other people here. We need some normalcy once in a while. Uh, we've got a lot of things to get into, some special subjects that we want to ask Pat and Lauren about. About I can't talk today. Uh, we're going to look, take an in-depth look at the uh, Chevy Tahoe Suburban, uh, Yukon, and Cadillac Escalade. We'll talk about Cadillac bringing back the Blackwing name and also the Volkswagen Atlas that's gotten a makeover, plus a lightning round. We've got a special question for Pat, and we'll see if anything's bothering anybody in a rant and rave. Anyway, a full rundown. So let's start. And Pat, really, this is uh, start us off on this. We're, I'm curious about the effects of the COVID-19 virus on independent garages like yours and service centers, and also what you're hearing from dealer service departments. Well, what we're experiencing is a huge reduction in sales. Uh, our car count is down by probably 85%. Wow. Our uh, revenues are down by uh, probably close to the same amount. And a lot of our competitors are doing things differently than what I'm doing. I'm uh, making up a special every day and we're emailing it and doing uh, online stuff. But a lot of them are just closing their doors, sending wow. their people home. Sending everybody. What kind of repairs are you doing? Emergency or routine or both or what? We're doing a little of, of both. Uh, we have offered specials on routine things like flushes and different things like that. And people are using their, their downtime to come in and get those things taken care of. Uh, actually, I'm somewhat surprised that we haven't seen more in the way of emergency repairs than what we have. I don't know, maybe people are like me. I've got something wrong with one of my vehicles and I've just decided since it still runs, I'll wait until it's all over with. Maybe I should actually do something about it now. What would you tell people if they have an easy access to a technician and they develop a problem, like you know, like a check warning, uh, engine warning check light or something like that, what would you tell them? Because they're probably afraid to go out. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big part of it, but... Uh... You know, if you have somebody, I mean, call your shop. Uh, there's a good chance right now that the majority of shops will give you a good deal mm -hmm. just to have you come in and uh, do some work. The thing of it is, uh, like with us, we're not trying to make a profit at this point. We have overhead and everything that we have to cover. So the heck with profit. We want to cover our bills and uh, all such. So we're willing to negotiate. And I think a lot of shops would do the same thing. What are you hearing from your uh, friends that have dealer service departments? Because I know you 
have relationships with quite a few of them. Uh, the majority of them are laying off. Hmm. Uh, it seems that the ones that I've talked to, that the primary thing that they're getting is warranty work, hmm. which, you know, isn't very profitable and they can't afford to keep the entire crew going. And of course, there seems to be some confusion as to which showrooms and service centers has something to do with how they're uh, set up physically and so on, because yeah. some of the showrooms are closed and uh, in general, it's a mess. I have a neighbor who is involved with a big uh, uh, dealer group up here around Baltimore and the Baltimore area. And they, of course, are still selling cars. Uh, they're selling about 40% the number of cars they were before. You can still make an appointment to go in. They'll deliver it online. And on any given day, they're still doing about 200 service calls, but I'm not sure what to measure that against. I guess they're probably way down as well because it's a big operation. Uh, what when, you, when they lift the stay-at-home order, which we're all operating under, how quickly do you think that's going to bounce back? Do you think it's going to be slow? Is it going to be a flood? I think that it's probably going to be slow. Yeah. Uh, I think that we're going to see some long-term big changes in the way people conduct their their daily lives and so on. I, I think this is going to have a lasting effect on things. Lauren, I want to turn our attention and, and anybody else, please jump, join in, Greg. Um, car manufacturing is obviously way down, although we've yeah. got some manufacturers already talking about reopening their U.S. assembly lines as early mm -hmm. as a week or two from now. Mm -hmm. um, what's the mood around the country there? What can you tell us about sales and what dealers are going through? I think like kind of like you just said, I mean, we're still um, seeing a lot of the manufacturing coming in the form of ventilators or just announcing they're making um, reusable gowns for doctors and nurses out of airbags now. Um, but I just got word from Ford. I, I got a press release saying that uh, they're hoping for a restart sometime uh, in the second quarter. They're, you know, already talks of when this can happen. Um, just saw Audi started earlier this week, their engine factory in Hungary. They started that back up, um, but with a single shift. So only one shift is coming in, going out. Germany today, their chancellor talking with states over there um, about how they can get um, BMW, Daimler, how, how they can get back up and running and then when this is going to be. Um, in terms of sales, I think it's just what everybody thought. You know, we got the quarter one sales coming out. January, February, everything going swimmingly. I think just a lot of what we thought. And then it's crazy to see the March numbers, just the bottom drops out. Um, it, some manufacturers will break it down month by month. So it's, it's really crazy to see, you know, how everything was going in February. And then, you know, we started to get these closures and just the bottom drops out. But um, JD Power, I thought it was pretty interesting. They just came out with um, a study looking at the first week of April and there were fewer than 15,000 vehicles that were sold through the national wholesale auction website. The used and, cars. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and, and to look at that, usually 113,000. Huh. Um, so, I mean, you're seeing it across the line, used, new, um, nobody's buying anything. I think everybody's staying home. Everybody, 
is just just waiting. Um, it means you know, it's a I just good read time. today in automotive news where they said basically dealer inventory is actually stacking up. They are actually still getting deliveries. I'm sorry, well, Greg. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say so that I mean it's bad for dealers and salesmen, but it's a great time as a buyer if you need a car and you're willing to go out. My parents, in fact, just bought one. Um, got a lot of money off. But no, to to speak to the point of inventory, my dad is a car hauler. Um, he was working up until a week or so ago, uh, delivering at full force. So the inventory, I have to imagine, is just packed to the brim uh, of many dealers. Yeah. Pat, anything? You've got lots of friends in that business. Well, I was talking to one good friend. Uh, he works in one of the major, uh, well, the dealership isn't necessarily major, but the chain is. Mm -hmm. And he says their floor traffic is down uh, probably by 90%. He says uh, most of what they're doing is uh, online mm -hmm. and very few people walking into the dealer. Oh, I, most of the dealers, I don't think you can. You got to call ahead. Yeah. So I don't, uh, at least you should. I don't know about where you guys are, but all the dealers around here are running commercials um, saying, you know, saying stuff like that, like letting people know that, hey, we're still open. You can either make an yeah. appointment or if you don't feel comfortable, we'll bring the cars, you know, we'll bring the car to you. We can do all the paperwork, everything online and we'll drop off the keys, you know, in your mailbox. So I think it's it's pretty interesting watching how dealers are adjusting to all this. I think it speaks to the fact that like we assume that everything's moving so far and fast toward online sales. Yeah. But there's so much of it that's still done, you know, in the showroom and actually getting into dealerships. So as much as we think that people are moving online, I mean, the vast majority are going in and buying cars because you know you want to drive a car before you. How, buy. I just don't know how I could buy a car without, you know, I could do all the paperwork, everything online, but before I signed on that dotted line, I really think I would have to get behind the wheel. I don't think I could just be like, just drop it off. Thanks. I don't either. All right, that uh, I appreciate all these great comments. I'm sure to a lot of folks that are watching this. That's the Pat and Lauren. Huge helps. But let's do what we do best, and that is look at some of the newest vehicles out there. Admittedly, uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff that we haven't actually driven yet, but I think we know enough about what's coming to have some judgment. Uh, vehicles that have gotten a lot of attention over the last uh, few weeks and couple of months, uh, the new big full-size SUVs from GM, the Chevy Tahoe and Suburban, the Yukons over at GMC, and of course the Cadillac Escalade. What we know about them is they are larger on the outside, although much larger in, in many cases on the inside. They obviously are stepping up their action to uh, blunt uh, what Ford's done with the Expedition and the Lincoln Navigator. Uh, better quality, there's a diesel engine uh, that's gonna be part of the mix. You've seen the photographs, you've read the specs. Um, comments, what do you think of them? Do you think it's gonna be enough? That's our, these are the leading vehicles in their segments. Well, uh, I, I see it continuing. Um, and now that gas prices are going to be stupid low, I mean, people are going to be buying SUVs like crazy and people already like the Tahoe and Suburban. So I honestly don't see that changing. Um, I'm really curious to drive one with an independent rear. Mm. Um, you know, it's, again, because we haven't driven it, all I can really talk about is like styling and powertrain. Styling is in my opinion, never been 
at least as of late GM strong suit, um, but they're okay looking. I think they all kind of look very similar, but that's the way everything's going. Um, but yeah, I was surprised they stuck so much to such a slabby look, but then that's sufficient. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't think people necessarily buy these things for style though. I mean, no. talk about the Escalade maybe, but even that it's kind of, it fell into that whole XT uh, category of their SUVs where the Escalade doesn't really separate itself as much as it used to, but maybe that's a better move for Cadillac because they're kind of, you know, bringing it all in and making it less out there. But then again, it's the Escalade. It should be a bit more extravagant. I think, you know, just personal from, again, just seeing the photographs, it looks like they've, they've made an effort at that. I hear that the interiors are very, very nice and they've got that big curved uh, uh, screen. Uh, so that a lot of bling. Lauren, you don't normally these days get involved with too much of uh, the car testing. And Pat, please weigh in here as well. Are these the right vehicles for the right time or what? I think with Greg, like he was saying, the gas prices. But when I saw this, the soccer mom in me like was drooling. I was like, yes, you never know until you have kids how much crap they come with. And I just, when I saw the cargo space, I was just like, yes, yes. I don't care what it looks like. How much crap can I fit in? And so I, I'm really anxious. I want to get in one. I, I've been in older models, but it feels like I'm driving a bus. So, and both of them, both the Suburban and the Tahoe are longer. So I'm interested to get into one and see how many curbs I'll jump, how many poles I'll hit with extended length. But the number one thing for me with kids now, I just how much crap can I fit inside? And this really checks the box for me. So I'm excited to get one, get in one. You know, and what, what we see, I mean, we service uh, a lot of those vehicles. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's probably number one on what we do. Really? And, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, SUVs, especially big ones. And I can't think of a single person that I know of that, uh, really buys one for the exterior style of it. Everybody is concerned, number one, with what's inside. What can I put in it? What does it offer me in creature comforts? How easily can we move around inside it? And how much can I tow with it? Yeah. Well, the diesel will be interesting to see whether or not that finds market. It's a six-cylinder turbo and I hate to say it, but we all remember what happened last time GM made a big deal about diesels, but uh, let's not go there. Um, let's move to the other side of, of Cadillac, and this is pretty fresh. Uh, we all knew that, I mean, Cadillac fortunately hasn't given up on sedans, and they've got a new CT4 and a new CT5, and they had already announced the uh, V editions, which are their high performance models. But now the, um, the word has come out officially that they're going to be doing black wing versions, which basically originally was just a motor, and this doesn't even include that motor. So I guess my question is, when you look across most of the domestic automakers, there's very little activity in sedans anymore. Why do you think GM and Cadillac is keeping two sedans, putting a lot of attention, and obviously spending a great deal of money uh, developing uh, European-style high-performance versions. 
maybe because that's what the Germans are doing. They're trying to keep pace with them. <laughs> the I think Germans, that's fair. That's what they've been doing. Yeah, I mean, they've really tried. And I remember when the ATS came out and we were like, well, that's, that's the three series fighter. Right. And I mean, I, I think it's still a great car. Um, it just never quite got to three series level or at least. Well, sales were disappointing. I mean, yeah, it and, really came down to that, which is unfortunate because it's it's a very nice car and the Great CTSV car. that we tested a few years ago, another nice car. So you know, as a driver, I can't wait to get the, behind the wheel of them. It's just I can't help but feel that the inevitable fate is that just nobody's going to buy these things. I mean, they're talking about 650 horsepower for the top CTSV uh, Blackwing, which is a lot of horsepower. It's certainly not a record, but these are not full size cars. Pat and Lauren, would you, can you imagine, uh, Pat, I bet you can, but let me ask Lauren because she's a, a, a family person these days. Can you imagine yourself buying a sedan no matter how good it was? No, no, no. as, as, uh, no, I, I can't, no, I, I'm sure it's a great car. I'm sure, I don't know, maybe if I didn't, if I was a single lady again, looking for, uh, I don't know, some speed, yeah. I don't know. I just, in my current state, no. I just, it's not, it's not for me. Pat Goss, you are a car guy. <laughs> does, does this intrigue you at all of, of CTS Blackwing? Well, it's not my style of car, but. Uh... Yeah, what do you mean by that? Uh, I've more, seen you in some very nice sedans over the years. Yeah, but uh, you know me, I'm I'm more a diesel kind of guy than uh, and a small engine guy than I am high performance. So, like I, I said, don't know, I've seen you get some awfully good mileage out of high performance cars. So. Well, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> but uh, you know, as far as our clientele and what they like and so on. We, we still have a lot of people that uh, would not own an SUV. Good. Doesn't make I, I'm glad to see good. that there's some of those left. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's they're, somebody they're, left. They're mostly our older clients and they, many times they'll be women or they'll be men that are single or something like that. They're older, they've lost their partner and things like that, and you talk to them about an SUV, because they're always wanting advice about what should I buy and why, and so on. you tell them about something nice in an SUV. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> gotta have four doors, gotta be a sedan. Uh, their impression, no matter how small the SUV is, uh, that it's going to be too big. Mm. Interesting. Greg, anything that intrigues you about these two new uh, Blackwing cars? Well, you said it over 600 horsepower. That intrigues me. And I, I mean, I'm a huge sedan fan. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I love the idea of a, um, I know these aren't the full size sedans, but I just love the idea of a four door with just a massive V8 engine, which it looks like this is what it's going to get. I just, with everybody else, I don't understand the naming there. Like why? Yeah. Yeah. Why that name if you're not going to include the engine? The engine. Well, apparently this engine's got the engine and the five is actually going to be more powerful from the Blackwing. But you know, now let me ask you because you're 
you're one of our top drivers on the show and, and you're young enough not to have been brought up strictly on manual transmissions, but are you surprised that they're actually going to put a manual in both cars along with an automatic when so many of their competitors in Europe are moving away from that? Um, I, a little surprised. I'm not surprised that an American car maker wants to keep things the way they always have been. We're just going to keep mm. on with those manual transmissions. Um, I like that decision. Um, but, I, you know, the, the, the God's honest truth is just these DCTs and automatics are just so much faster than manual transmissions. Yeah. They are. So, you know, all about interaction with the car more than speed. Yeah. You Let's know, move I on have, to, I and we've got one more news. SUV to, I'm sorry, Pat, do you want to say something? Yeah I, uh, yeah, I have breaking news. We had a car with a manual transmission in the shop two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, I, I missed what you just said. It, you dropped out for a minute. What'd you say? I said, we, we had breaking news. We had a car with a manual transmission <laughs> in the shop two weeks ago. Does anybody remember how to work on it besides you? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. We never see them. <laughs> what was it? What was the car? It was a Honda. Uh, was Honda funny. Civic. Yeah, makes Old sense. Honda I'm, Civic. I'm not sure where I'd go except to you if I had to have a, a clutch changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, we see a few, but... Uh, it's very few and far between these days. Actually, that brings up a question, since I have a rare chance to ask you this. So many of these uh, automatics, of course, are dual clutch automatics, with an automatic clutch. Are you seeing replacement problems with those clutches? Zero, nada, not a thing. It's all wow. what we're seeing is electronic in nature, primarily reprogramming to make them smoother and wow. uh, things like that. So that just says that the electronics can shift with less slip than we humans can. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I did want to get one more SUV in because it's been such a popular one, the 2021 Volkswagen Atlas. Um, only been out two years, yet they did a very extensive redraft on the vehicle. We picked it as one of our top uh, award winners when it first came out. It's still one of my favorites. Any uh, updated impressions on the Atlas? I don't, my personal thing is I don't think it's gotten old at all, but Greg and Lauren and Pat, Volkswagen Atlas, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I don't, I'm with you. I don't think it's really gotten old in terms of technology or anything like that. I think even when it came out, the styling was a little bit- Chunky? Uh, yeah. A little, a little questionable in decision there. Uh, so I'm not sure if they had this plan in mind the whole time, which I'm sure they did because these things obviously take time. And it's only been, like you said, a few years. Um, so they, they wanted to get that new badge out there with the, the new Volkswagen up front with a lot thinner and uh, more minimalist. Um, I got to say it does look better. And I didn't, I didn't dislike the last or the original Atlas's styling. I think it looks better. Um, you know, again... Uh, just want to get inside and drive something here because I'm getting stir yeah. crazy. <laughs> Anybody no, in the same way, I, yeah. I, I like the, re uh, the, I mean, I never didn't like it, but looking at them side to side, I definitely like how it looks better now, but I'm with you. I just want to get, get in a car. I just want to go somewhere, anywhere, put me in anything. Let's go. Yeah. 
Let's move to uh, our lightning round question. And we kind of touched on this before, but let's just see what we think about it. I, I read that Mercedes is getting ready to, in a week or so, and I'm not sure if that's up to date, open their, uh, their U.S. plants. Are we rushing, you know, we've heard Lauren mentioned a couple uh, uh, other manufacturers. Are we rushing too quickly at getting the auto industry back to something that's normal? I mean, when you think about how an assembly line works with a lot of people on it. Uh, I mean, I think, I think how Audi is doing it in Hungary is the right way. I think we, it's not going to be one day it's closed, the next day we're back full force. I think at some point we have, there's got to be a point where we get, we get back to something. And right. I think that the way they're, they're starting it, one shift, you know, they're having hand washing stations and everybody's, you know, I'm sure wearing masks and protective layers. I think at some point we have to slowly inch back. And I don't think, like I said, it's going to be a flip of the switch. Everything's back running, but it's just going to be such a collaborative effort. Like globally, if you think about where, you know, every part of a car, where everything comes from, it's mm. everybody's just going to have to be on the same page and it's going to take a while. So I think we need to slowly inch, inch forward. I think that that's, that, that's what needs to happen. I you know, think Pat, I can I imagine having people work close together in your shop or not close together is a problem for you. So how do you manage something like that? Well, very carefully. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a real challenge because a lot of things require two people and they have to be in yeah. close proximity to one another and yeah. uh, things like that. Our biggest concern is customers and so on, the distancing that we need to take there. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, because of some changes here in the county, uh, this afternoon I'll be building sneeze guards for our front counters and those sorts of things to uh, to meet the requirements. Greg, you had something. Yeah, um, I to answer the actual question, I, I, I can't help but feel like it's a tad early. <laughs> like, I feel like we're still in the midst of everything right now. But like Lauren said, eventually we will have to get back to it. And I think the I would just caution that even when we do get back to it, people are going to want to think that, okay, it's normal. Everything is, and, and they're going to get impatient. And I'm sure I'll be one of those people, mm -hmm. but I think we have to remind ourselves that even when things do get started again, it's, it's going to take more time than you want it to. Well, you know, in, from my perspective, some of this scares me because we don't seem to have any uh, comprehensive plan for bringing things back and how it's going to be done and what the standards are going to be. Everything seems to be, uh, this one's doing one thing, somebody else is doing something different and there's no uh, combining of ideas. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about all this talk of, of extra testing. I mean, not that we don't need it, but is that going to be a criteria for people to go back to work? Uh, are you going to have a card that you carry around with you? How is that going to be administered? That, well, that's mean, one thing. Card is business one thing that's been proposed. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, if you get tested one day, okay, you don't have it today, and you and you get your card. Who says you don't get it tomorrow? So you would have to be tested. Right. 
so often it would, you know, and you're, what if you're asymptomatic, you don't have any symptoms. I don't know. It's just how, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I'm with you. It's just, how do we, how do we get back to normal? I, I yes, saw, I saw a plan where it was the, the testing would be like every 14 days and you were retested to keep up with the testing. And, you know, again, this wow. is, you know, the, it, like Pat said, it scares me thinking about the, sh the amount of moving pieces that this no, sure. situation has. It's incredible. It's crazy. All right. Uh, speaking of Pat Goss, we have a question for Pat. Uh, now that many of us find ourselves confined to our homes, we certainly hope you're staying home, with a lot of time to kill, probably more time than your bosses know, what are some things we can do to our cars that we may not normally think of, or just what would you recommend people do to their cars that are sitting still in their driveway? Well, of course, one of the best things that they can do is if they have needed trips, is to get the car out of the driveway, drive it, combine some of your trips so that you're uh, running the engine and moving the car for more time uh, rather than just sitting there and starting it up and letting it sit and idle for 15 or 20 minutes, which is really bad on the car. Much better to get it out and drive it. Put it under load. Yeah, exactly. That way you're warming up everything on the car, not just the coolant in the radiator. Because when it's sitting and idling, engine oil temperature and transmission oil temperatures and all of those things, they remain almost stone cold. Mm -hmm. And the only thing you're warming up and you're seeing on the temperature gauge is the coolant temperature. Okay, anybody else got anything they want to talk about this week before we wrap up this edition? A rant, rave, <laughs> anything? Get me out of here. Yeah, right. Put us all back to work. Yes. yes. Who would have ever thought we would say that? Like, we want to go back to work. Well, you have to admit we've got some of the best jobs in the world. We do. Yeah. You're right. You are. Yeah, it's I do, understandable. I do. Yeah. Gosh, I want to thank everybody. Pat and Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Greg, uh, who is also the producer of these podcasts, thanks for such a terrific lineup today. To Jim Bigwood back at MPT, our audio engineer, and Bob Mixter, our creator. For all of you out there, thanks very much for being a part of this MotorWeek podcast. Remember, you can still see episodes of MotorWeek on your local public television stations. You can go to our website, motorweek.org, if you're not familiar with the time and date. Just set your v, uh, your D, DVR. I keep wanting to say v, VCR. What decade um, is it? We really want to, though, if you want to keep up with the latest that we're doing, go on over to uh, youtube.com slash MotorWeek, our MotorWeek channel. We're putting up all sorts of new content every week. Uh, Lauren's got new uh, motor news. Uh, it's, it's all there. Even though you can't see new episodes on the air right now, there's a lot of new MotorWeek content. Everyone's working very hard up on YouTube. But until next time, stay home, stay safe, and thanks very much for being a part of our MotorWeek family. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org and watch MotorWeek.
television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.